I think this is it. I was like, I'm just going to pray and I'm probably going to be gone after tonight. And I really just thought that prayer would be answered. Welcome to What Doesn't Kill You, where we honor the lives of ordinary people who triumphed over extraordinary difficulty. Today, we're lucky to learn from the experiences of Chantel, a woman who fights hard and finds purpose in her struggles with mental health. Please note that this episode touches on topics that may be difficult for some listeners to hear, including suicidal ideation and miscarriage. So um, when I was 16 years old, I started to experience depression for the first time. Um, It was just kind of like this light switch moment that um, I had always been really social before and all of a sudden I just didn't really want to do anything with friends. I wanted to sleep a lot. I started to really struggle in school, which is something I had never had before and I cried like every day. (laughs) I thought that there was something wrong if I told anybody about this, and so I really thought I had to hide it. I was the person that people would say, how are you always so happy? (laughs) And that's before that time, it was just, that's how it was. That was so natural. And then at this point, it wasn't anymore. And so I was like, well, I guess I got to pretend I'm still happy all the time. And so I went to college in Idaho and I got married at 20 years old, had a baby at 21. There were ups and downs in that time. It was sometimes things would be really good for a while and then sometimes they would be really difficult for a while. After my husband finished school in Rexburg, we moved to Iowa. And so we get to Iowa, and all of a sudden I was like, I can't tell anyone. Like, I just have to keep this a secret again. There were two main reasons. One was because I thought no one will understand. Like, no one's going to get this. And in fact, at one point, I remember thinking that I was the only person in the whole state of Iowa that was experiencing depression, (laughs) which sounds ridiculous now, but at the time, like, that's how it felt. I thought I was the only one, and if I was the only one, how would anyone understand it? And then I also felt like no one would be able to love someone like me going through that, and I just thought, if I tell them, I'm going to lose all my relationships, all my friendships, so I just have to keep it in. Eventually, it got to the point that I was like, I just can't do this by myself. I have to let someone in. I didn't know who to tell or how to tell them, so I got on Facebook of all places, and I just wrote, I'm struggling with depression, and I pushed post. I turned off my computer, and I was like, well, I guess I'm never going on Facebook again. But there were two things that came from that that I was so surprised when I went back later and finally was brave enough to look and see what happened from that. Um, There were two things. One was that there were so many people that understood what I was going through. I felt like it was this life-changing moment of hearing what I think are two of the most powerful words, and that was me too. That there were so many people that felt the same thing. In fact, there were people, I had sat by them at church every single Sunday, 
and I had sat there thinking, I have to keep this to myself. I have to just, you know, hold it all in and then I can get home from church and everything will be better. But they were sitting there thinking the exact same thing. It was at that point that I felt this motivation to be more open about what I was going through, either in person or on social media, just so that no one else would have to go through that. I never wanted to find out again that there was someone sitting next to me thinking they couldn't tell me because they thought I wouldn't understand. The other thing that came from that is was just so much love. The thing that I thought would take away all the love in my life is what brought so much love into my life by allowing people in, by allowing them to see the parts of myself that I didn't necessarily want people to see. That brought more love, not less. So in 2016, when I was 24, um, things got a lot worse. It was kind of random. It was after a full year of feeling amazing. Like, it was like the best I had felt in a very, very long time. My daughter was, let's see, 18 months, and I felt like I was just at the top of my game as being a mom and all the things. I felt like I had my life just all together. And then all of a sudden, I started to have these cycles between anxiety and depression. The anxiety would be like my whole body shaking, my heart racing, struggling to breathe. Basically, those days were like debilitated laying in bed, just like my whole body shaking. I just couldn't do anything. And then there were the depression days. It would switch over to those and I would have no energy. I would want to cry all day. I had no motivation to do anything. And anything that I did have to do was extremely overwhelming. This was like the first time that I ever had like constant thoughts of dying. Like it was just all day, every day when I was in those depression episodes. And I was like, I had just never experienced that before. It was a couple months after that that I was hospitalized for the first time and they diagnosed it as bipolar 2. After leaving the hospital, we tried medication after medication and nothing worked. Not only did they not work, but they all made it worse. And so we just didn't really know what to do because nothing nothing was working, nothing was helping and it was just continuing continuing on. I learned about asking for help. <laughs> I think that's something that we as people really struggle with, um, asking and accepting help. But after things really started to get worse, I came home from church one day and I just cried to my husband. I was like, it has been nine months and I still don't know how to handle this. I still don't know how to get through it. And he said something that struck me. He just said, what do you mean you don't know how to get through it? you know what to do. He said, you know that you need to ask for help. And I just thought that was so profound because up until that point, I had always thought that I had to do it. I had to get through it. And it was in that point that I realized that it was okay to let other people be a part of me doing it, <laughs> doing life and getting through it. Um, in 2017, so a year later, I got pregnant with my son and all of a sudden, all of it went away. It was just gone. And I remember secretly thinking and wishing 
that maybe that was exactly what I needed. I just needed to get pregnant. It would all go away and it would stay away forever. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And in 2018, when I delivered my son, um, the depression returned. And right after that, we moved across the country. had a little baby. He was colicky. I wasn't sleeping. And we left all of our support. I was starting new with these people that were getting to know me at a time in my life that was at a low. I kind of went back to that feeling of like, how is anyone going to love me? Are they going to understand? Like, I almost pictured that there would just be these cold people where we were moving to, just like these heartless people, because I was so scared. Like, of what they were going to think of me. Unfortunately, having all of that change led to very, very severe depression. It was basically fighting for life every single day. I got into a good doctor and we tried more medicine, but it was just the same thing. Nothing was working. Everything was getting worse. So that next year in 2019, I got pregnant again. And unfortunately, that ended in a miscarriage after just a couple of months. Right after that, those were four of the darkest months I had ever experienced. And that led to me going to the hospital the second time. While I was there, I was able to meet with a psychiatrist who kind of specializes in hormones. She realized that it was a hormone problem and Slowly, after some tweaking from leaving the hospital, we were able to find the right medicine. It felt like there was just so much hope for better days. I got home, and it was just before Christmas, and I couldn't stop thinking about the people that were going to be there on Christmas Day. I thought of all the places to be and of all the reasons to be in the hospital, being there for depression had to just be devastating. Something about that unit is that it's confidential. So nobody has to know that somebody is there. And if they call in and they say, you know, is this person here searching for a family member? They will say no. I'm sorry, but the person you've called is not available. There were a lot of people, they got no visits, and I don't know if it's because they had no family around or just no one knew they were there. For three days, I couldn't get it off my mind that I had to do something. I just, I, I couldn't not do something <laughs> at that point. I finally thought that about how when you're in the hospital, the socks that they give you are so uncomfortable and thin and not warm at all. And I thought one of my personal favorite things is a nice pair of fuzzy socks. What if I could get a pair of fuzzy socks for every patient that would be in the hospital on Christmas? And what if I could pair that with messages of hope and encouragement and things that people had shared with me at times when I needed it the most. So some of those messages included the basic things of like, you are loved, you are enough, 
you are needed. A lot of the other messages were things that I had found over the years and I really liked just any message of things getting better over time because in the moment it seems so dark, it seems so overwhelming, it seems all-encompassing, but anything that can remind, could remind me that it would get better. It's not, we're not stuck here forever. Also, anything that helped remind me that there was a purpose to this, that it wasn't just happening for nothing, and once it was done, it would be like, well, sorry, that just took out five years of your life. It was like, there's something meant to come from this. It's not just a waste. I thought of this as kind of a way of warming feet and warming hearts at the same time. I was able to get enough people to sponsor each patient in that unit of the hospital. Because of the confidential nature of that unit, I wasn't able to deliver the socks personally. Um, so I took them to the volunteer coordinator. When I dropped them off, she just told me no one has ever done anything for this unit at Christmas in the whole time I've worked here. All of a sudden, this thing that I had thought would be a one-year project, I was like, this is now an every-year project because now I really can't let it go by and a Christmas go by and not do something. It's just so interesting that I wouldn't have thought about the people in the hospital in that unit for Christmas, or I wouldn't have thought about the socks, or I wouldn't have thought about those messages if I wouldn't have been in the hospital and worn the hospital socks and had those messages shared with me. I really never would have known, and those people would still be at the hospital every Christmas alone, and I definitely wouldn't be the one doing anything. I just wouldn't know. I wouldn't have thought about it. It was something that made me feel, like I said before, like there was a purpose. Um, in 2021, I hit a really, really rough period of time. Um, I experienced an, a depth of anxiety and depression that I did not know before was possible. And it still feels like it's just beyond explanation or comprehension. I didn't know that a heart could feel so much pain and keep beating. I was hospitalized three times in four months. And it felt like my life was just shattered to dust and I often wondered if I would even make it. Somehow, after those four months, some stars aligned. I was able to meet with that same um, hormone specialist and she was able to kind of tweak some things and add different medications on top that could help get me back on track. But while I was there, one of the mental health specialists, she told me, she found out that I do this project with the socks and she told me that the patients and the staff cry every year at the love that they feel. And at that time, I knew what something like that would have done for me. I knew what 
anything at that time would have done for me. Any small thing showing that somebody loved me, they cared about me, I would have cried too. <laughs> and so I was really thankful in that moment to know that this was doing what I hoped it would. It wasn't, it was no longer something that I was hoping was blessing somebody's life. It was that I knew it was blessing people's lives. When I tell this story, I always want to make it clear that this is not about me or about what I do. It's about what God can do with broken things. I've been broken. I've been shattered to dust. And God has been able to take that and make it into something. And even as hard as it is to say that maybe something better than what it was before, He can do that. He can take something that's broken and he can mold it into something, but he can only do that if we're first broken down into dust. Things are still a work in progress for me. It's definitely not an overnight fix by any means. There are still a lot of things that I'm working on, but it is continually getting better. And at the same time, this project is continuing to grow. Hopefully this year it'll be able to reach seven hospitals in different parts of the country that other people have kind of taken it on as a project in their area as well. There's a lot that I have learned during these years. One in particular is that sharing my story can bring light to others even when I myself am in darkness Anytime I'm able to share my story, it has that potential and that allows me to know that the darkness has a purpose. It can sound counterintuitive that you can bring light when you're in darkness, but I have found that in sharing, in sharing my story that the darkness and the light can coexist within a person and within their story. I have learned that every single person is going through something hard or has been through something hard. I like to picture it as us all walking each other home. I picture everyone in a line holding hands and walking and when somebody stumbles and they fall, the other people that are holding their hand are there to help lift them up. and. We're each going to have that point when we stumble and we fall and we need someone else to lift us up. And so by going through these things together, even when they're very different things that we're all experiencing, we're all helping each other get back home. Um, I have learned along with that to let people come and be with me in those vulnerable moments. I read a quote one time that said, if you cannot look on the bright side of things, I will sit with you in the dark. And I really like that because I think that sometimes we as people, me included, obviously, we want to fix things for people. And sometimes there aren't the right words. Sometimes there aren't the right things that we can do, but we can go and sit with each other in the dark. And by being there, just by having someone there, knowing that someone loves and cares about you and is willing to sit there, it just allows for the future of being able to look on the bright side of things again.
And so having someone to sit in the dark until that can come on its own, I think is so powerful. I have learned to believe in future light. I had an experience one time where I got home from church and I had just been holding in all of everything I was feeling all that church time. And I got home and I went straight to my room, closed the door and fell on my face in my bed in prayer. And I remember, I don't remember now if I said any words or if I just cried, but I do remember after several minutes looking up right in front of me was the window in our bedroom and pouring through that window were the brightest rays of sunlight. And I just remember hearing almost as audibly as a voice, hold on, your light will come. And I've been through countless episodes of darkness, but every one of them has been followed by a period of light, even if that's been fleeting. And I really have learned that the light always comes again. Nothing is permanent. There are ebbs and flows in life. <laughs> there are ebbs and flows in light and dark. And there have been times that the dark has been longer lasting and much more powerful in my life, it seems, but there has always been light. And so waiting until that light comes again and believing in it has gotten me through so much because it has always come again. It's not gonna stay away forever. Thank you, Chantel, for sharing your life with us. If you want to get involved in her Christmas project, hop on Facebook and search for her page, Christmas Socks for Hope. To hear more from Chantel, including extra insights and moving stories we weren't able to include here, subscribe to our publication on Substack. Each subscription goes to supporting the healthcare of my wife, Becca, who is sick with very severe ME-CFS. Our theme song is Fish Beach by Michael Nyman. This episode also features Dreams of Love by Franz Liszt.